Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thanks, Marie, and thank you, dear podcast listener, for making this one of your weekly stops with us. Hey, Rick, the other day we were looking at some of the analytics of the podcast, and we were thrilled to discover that Living Your Dash has had nearly 3,500 plays with listeners from 10 different countries. So, I mean, what do you think about that? What do you think that means? That was exciting, Sean, uh, to, to know that we've had that many plays, but I love the fact that we're going around the world yeah. in 10 different countries. I, I think what it says to me, Sean, is that we are meeting a need. Yeah, We're meeting a need out there. If we weren't, people would not be listening. And credit to you, you came up with this idea and you got me on the on the team, which uh, I would have never thought about. But it it's working. I think we're meeting a need. I, I would just like to ask a favor of our regular listeners. Hmm. Um, if you like it, share it. Who do you know? Who do you know that you could share the link with and help us out? Help us spread the word. We would love it and appreciate your help in that area. Fantastic. And, and it, it has been so much fun. Uh, just from a, a selfish point of view, I love these discussions with you. I learn a lot. And, uh, you know, this is, audience, this is your way of just saying, hey, if I could spend 30 minutes with Raquel, what would we talk about? What could we talk about? So, well, this past Sunday, you introduced us uh, to a new message series entitled Raising the Bar, which, listeners, uh, if you want to find more information about it, you can just go to the website, russellgrace.com, and uh, go. you can click on the description. But, Rick, basically, you're showing how the Bible teaches us about discovering the best and most productive way to invest our time, talent, and treasure. Uh, I have to say, that that's a pretty big claim. How can you make such a statement so confidently? Well, thanks, Sean. The more I get to know God, the more I believe that God, as our creator, has, has designed every human being for a purpose. Hmm. I cannot imagine God going to the trouble of designing a human being and saying, okay, well, really don't have any purpose. I just decided to make some people. That doesn't make sense to me. Right. And I'm just more and more convinced that, that we are not the accidental result of a cosmic explosion. Mm -hmm. There are no accidents when it comes to people. Uh, we all have a purpose. God has a plan for our life. Sean, the other reason I know it's true is when I see people living out their purpose, I see it works. Yeah. You, it, the, the, the proof is there when you look at it and you go, wow, this person is, is, has found their purpose. They're daily living out their purpose. And look at the impact. Look at the difference. Look at the success they are having, the impact they're having. Uh, contrast that with people who don't find their purpose in life. And I just say, what a wasted life. Yeah. Uh, so you see it both ways. Yeah. God is a creator and he has a design and a purpose for our lives. You're basing the whole series out of the book of Colossians. Correct. Um, are there historical, cultural, or other types of clues to the life of the Colossian believers that help us relate to living or raising the bar in our lives? Yeah, when you when you look at the background to the the city of Colossae, 
And the church there, it was primarily made up of Gentiles. So, mm. Sean, you have people, and this is where it's so relevant to our culture today, these these people were biblically illiterate. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a Jewish background. They didn't know the Old Testament scriptures. They came from pagan backgrounds, idol worshiping, the mysticism of mm-hmm. the world. And the more you look at the kind of environment in which this church was planted, you go, wow, that looks a whole lot like the American church. Mm. Um, you, you, you think biblical illiteracy, Sean, in America is epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you have people, they don't know what the, they've never heard of the Ten Commandments, much less being able to list them out. If you say, what's the Sermon on the Mount? They, they would not know what the Sermon on the Mount was or yeah. the Beatitudes. Uh, so it, the similarity between first century Colossae and 21st century America to me is fascinating. Hmm. They were caught up in, in this false teaching, Sean, that it blended um, you know, mysticism and pagan culture and idolatry and legalism and aestheticism. Paul really gets into it in chapters two and three of Colossae. Uh. And as you read that, you go, wow, that sounds like some of the mixed up, messed up philosophies that people get trapped in in America. Yeah. Boy, as I think about uh, what a challenge it must have been uh, for Paul to come and, and uh, uh, in, into this Gentile context uh, that he knew about, but nevertheless, it was still a challenge for him to say, okay, here's the covenants that God placed and why he chose Israel. It's all so that it could be focused on Jesus Christ. Yeah, and you talk about beginning at the beginning. <laughs> it would be like Paul saying, okay, these spiritually, these are first graders. Yeah. Okay, let's learn our alphabet. We need to learn the ABCs of of Christianity. We need to learn the uh, how to, two plus two. <laughs> so he's starting, and that, what I love about Colossians is he starts with these people where they are, not in a condescending way, right. but in a very uplifting, encouraging way, saying, here's our goal, growth. I want to help you grow and mature. And so the theme of maturity runs from beginning to end in this letter. Mm. Now, this week, you focused on raising the bar of purpose. Uh, Rick, I know that, that you're really big on the idea of purpose, you know, why is that? And is there a, a, a cost of lost opportunity if we don't know our purpose? Sean, when it comes to life, there's no do-overs. There's yeah. no mulligans on this thing. <laughs> you get one shot. You got to get it right, at least to the best of your ability, the yeah. first time. Uh, only one life. So you have to decide, how am I going to live my life? One of the tragedies that I see, Sean, I've lived in Roswell and been in ministry coming up 43 years. Because of that, the funeral homes will very often call me to Mm -hmm. do funerals of people who don't have a church home, but they want a pastor to do a service for them. And it's just tragic when I go to those services and a friend or a family member will get up and, and do the eulogy. And at the end of the eulogy, it's very clear that person never found their purpose. They got up, they went to work, they watched TV, and they went to bed. Uh And they did that for 75 years. And as I, Sean, as I leave those services, the only word that that grabs me, it is obscene. 
Mm. It is obscene for a person to, to receive the gift of life from Almighty God and never find it, never fulfill it, and just waste a life. That's obscene. Yeah, yeah. That You know, when you use that word obscene, I, I think about the... It's its origin, which which means to be an abomination, something that is abominable, something that, that this is the wrong use of something, the, the or the misuse of something that 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 turns out to be quite destructive. And, and as I think about our life and and boy, the way that the world treats each other, uh, the way that the world treats uh, itself, uh, how many times have we seen um, folks who uh, have had some ruined lives because they have mistreated their their bodies, they've mistreated their minds, they've mistreated their families, and it turned out to be a complete mess. Yeah, obscene really fits, doesn't it? Yeah, the word obscene. We don't like to use that word yeah. because, but it is it's it's a description. There's there's not a a, a, a an emotional judgment on that. It it really is just a description. Yeah, you remember the the parable of the talents. You know, Jesus gives three different individuals different talents. Remember, you know, the, the last guy he gets talent. He goes and buries it. He doesn't put it into practice. He doesn't invest it to make more. And, you know, you read you read the response that Jesus has for that person. You go, wow, that that's severe. Yeah. I mean, it's like throw the guy out into utter dark to get the talent away from him. Yeah. And you think, why, why is Jesus so hard on this guy? It's because... He, he wasted the gift of life. Yeah. And and that is tragic and obscene. Yeah, yeah. We I guess we just don't think about that. We we want to think about God as being well well, I think I remember someone saying, you know, we want God to be like this doting grandfather that's kinda of like not there and he'll pat us on the head if we've made a mistake and say, Yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah. But uh we don't realize no, God made us for these rich and powerful purposes and for us to be not impotent but to be potent yeah. and uh yeah I'd and love that. see god is not that grandfather you just described <laughs> what is he he is our father yeah who has high expectations for his children he doesn't not perfectionistic expectations yeah but sean he has high expectations for his children he wants us to take what he has given us you know, the talents, mm -hmm. and then invest them. And he's expecting us to be better, to grow, to mature, and yeah. to accomplish things that are beyond the original investment. Yeah. You know, he invests in us. He expects interest. Yeah. He expects growth. You know, I, I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it used to scare me to think, well, I've really got to really perform. Instead of looking at it from the point of view where God is thinking, no, I, I know you can do this. Yeah. So, yeah, don't waste don't waste this beautiful opportunity that you have. Get on with it. Have some fun with it. Well said. Yeah, Rick, you did a, a clever thing by taking the prayers that Paul had for the Colossians and making them into goals. You turned them into goals. Uh, what? Why is that an important inference? Uh, should we do that with other prayers that we see? You're right, Sean. The, the first part of Colossians chapter 1 is a prayer. Mm. And it's Paul's prayer for these Christians, these brand new immature Christians in Colossae. And he, he, he prays over them where he wants them to be. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, here are God's expectations of you. 
And so he just prays. He, he said, I continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, to give you wisdom, to give you understanding. And you're, you're right. These are Holy Spirit-inspired prayers, mm. but underneath them, what are they? They're the spiritual goals that Paul has for them and for us. Yeah. The very same. Every one of the goals that Paul prays over the Colossians are still relevant for our lives today. Now, speaking of prayer, you mentioned uh, that in wanting to live out your life with purpose, um, that you you knew you wanted to live wisely. And so you told a great story about how you asked God to give you wisdom. Could you take us back to that day and why that was so important for you? Yeah, I was uh, around 20 years old. I was at the university every day going to class, Man, was I getting knowledge. They were cramming knowledge into my brain, <laughs> both ears at a time, <laughs> studying, reading, going to class. I was getting knowledge. Sean, one day I stumbled on, I was just reading my Bible, and I stumbled on to the, to the moment in, when Solomon was a young leader. God goes to him basically and says, make a wish. And Solomon says, I would like wisdom. I want to be wise. Yeah. And God says, that is a great, great request. And God answers the prayer, and we know Solomon became the wisest man on earth. Yeah. And so I read that story, and I thought as a young person in my in around 20, mm-hmm. I, I think that would be a wise request to make of God. Sometime shortly after that, I came across James chapter 1, and I was reading in the early verses, it, it says... Uh, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously and God will give it. I thought, wow, what a promise that you simply say, God, I would like to be wise. And just like Solomon, God says, I'll answer that prayer for you. So here's what happened. I began to pray. I tried to pray it every day. Yeah. Um, I would pray the prayer of Solomon. God, give me wisdom. I want to be wise. I've got all this knowledge but I don't know how to put it into practice because wisdom is the practical application of knowledge. Mm -hmm. How do you put it into practice? So I just began to pray. Sean, I have to tell you, that was 45 years ago, 46 years ago. Uh, Do you believe God answers prayer, Sean? Absolutely. I do too. Yeah. And I prayed that prayer and I asked God for wisdom and God answered that prayer. And so if you say, Rick, are you a wise person? Without boasting, I would say yes. And the reason is God answered prayer. I asked for wisdom. God said he would give it, and he gave it. Over my life, I've seen situations. I've had people come in with with problems and dilemmas, and they say, Rick, what, what should I do? And, Sean, I've got to tell you, it's like almost out of nowhere, I would... I would hear this answer and I would pass it on to them and they would do it and it worked. Yeah. <laughs> and when they would tell me, say, Rick, thanks for the advice. Man, it really worked. <laughs> I would have to say, honestly, Sean, see, there's something I know about me that maybe others don't. <laughs> I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that smart. And I look and I go, man, where did that come from? Uh, how did I give that person that advice? Sean, I have to give God credit. Um, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast about the Lord because I couldn't have come up with what I gave them, but it worked. Yeah. So 
That's the prayer of Solomon. And so I, I encourage young people, especially if you're 25 years and younger listening to this, will you pray the prayer of Solomon? Make it a daily a prayer that you say, God, give me the wisdom of Solomon. I want to be wise in the way I live. Mm. If you will invest that prayer into your life as an early man and an early woman, listen, you have hundreds of thousands, literally, of decisions ahead of you. Don't you want those to be wise? Absolutely, yeah. So pray the prayer of Solomon. Wow. I love that. You know, I, I love the fact that the beauty is that anyone can pray that prayer. And it's not like, well, there's only a few wise people. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that you're, you're wanting the staff around Grace. I, man, I sure hope they're wiser than me. I want them to be, I want them to continue to develop in wisdom and, and knowledge and, and love for God and love for people. And uh, uh, that's something that we, we can grow in. We can mm-hmm. uh, develop in. Absolutely. All right. So um, you said that... Um, if I can put it this way, a wise guy prayer <laughs> would be, God, fill me with the knowledge of your will. How do we know when God does that? You kind of gave us a little example. Well, uh, you know, the, 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 the Jews had a great word. They called it shalom. Mm-hmm. We translate it peace. Right. And it, it's, it's more than the English word peace. Uh, the way I define shalom is that all is well and right on the inside, even if all is not well on the outside. Hmm. In other words, that I can be in the middle of a storm, an example this last year, in the middle of a pandemic, everything is not well and right around me, the circumstances, but I can have shalom. I can have peace within. To me, the answer to the question, you know, how do we know when God gives us the knowledge of his will? To me, if you're walking In the will of God, if you are where God wants you, you will experience shalom. Hmm. A genuine peace that it's like, well, well, everything is going to hell in a handbasket around me, but I've got the peace of God. Yeah. And the way Paul would say it in Philippians 4, it's a peace of God that that surpasses understanding. In other words, it doesn't make logical sense that I would have peace in the midst of this storm. Yeah. So to me, if you're in the will of God, you are going to experience that shalom peace. Fantastic. All right. You challenge us to ask the question, is my greatest desire to live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way? What is wrong with someone saying, you know, how about if I please God with half my life or maybe even I'll be generous, 75% of my life, but I get to choose the rest. Yeah, I would say... uh, how full do you want your bucket? You know, when you think about it, our life is like a bucket. And yeah. so if you're going, yeah, I would like half of my life to have joy, half of my life to have peace, and I'd like to be about half full when mm-hmm. it comes to being fulfilled as a human being. Um, when you look at it that way, there again, you're we're falling so far short of God's expectations mm-hmm. for us and his plans for us and his desires for us. And that's why when you study Colossians, and the reason I love Colossians, it chapter after chapter after chapter, Paul just keeps driving of keep growing, keep maturing, don't don't settle for less. God, keep raising the bar because when you when you raise the bar and you meet those expectations, 
that's where genuine fulfillment in life comes. Yeah, I, you know, obviously I said, I, I, I said in a silly way, it's a silly question, uh, just to reveal the absurdity of, well, why would I choose a foolish life? Why would I choose something where I know, I mean, I, mean, I would never, what's that, what's that phrase, you know, I would, I would cut off my nose to spite my face or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Why well, would you do that? Yeah, that's silly. And so when we can trust the love of God, we can trust the, the plans of God. Um, don't settle. I want to encourage yeah. our, our, our listeners, don't settle for mediocre. Yeah. God never planned mediocre for you. He has plans and purposes that are really going to be fun, exciting, fulfilling, and you will not get to the end of your life and say, well, that was obscene. Yeah. <laughs> what was that all about? Yeah. You will be able to say, well, better than, you will be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. There's the difference. Yes, yes. All right. Well, one of the surprises that we may have when we read this passage is that it, it actually is possible to live that worthy Life. So if you're listening, you're thinking, I don't know if that's for me. Yeah, it is for you. And yes, it can be done. Uh, it, to live the life that's worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. That, that Paul said that there are four ways. You mentioned four ways that, that God takes notice of. And that is bearing fruit in God's work, growing in God's knowledge, being strengthened with God's power, and giving thanks for God's blessing. Could it be said that those are the marks of living a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him him in every way? Absolutely. And I love the fact that God doesn't just say, hey, I want you to please me, period. <laughs> and then we get to guess. Uh, yeah. I love the fact that God says, and here's how. Yeah. It, it, here's how. I've got, I want you to, to, to bear fruit. I want you to grow in knowledge. I want you to be strengthened with, uh, with my power in your life so that at the end of every day, you'll be able to give thanks for God's blessing. Yeah. I love the fact that God doesn't leave us in the dark, but yeah. he says, here is how you can please me. And in the process, that's how you will grow and mature as a human being. Yeah. And there's a lot of breadth there. I mean, the way that I, that I, that I am employed, that I work, the way that I relate to my wife, the way that I relate to my children, the way that I keep my house, the way there's a lot of breadth there. Um, could it be said that, um, or actually, what is God's end game for those components? Why are those areas so important to him, and how does that affect our witness to the world? Again, I, I keep going back to Colossians and why I love this letter so much. There is an end game, and God mm. makes it very clear. We don't even have to guess. What is the end game for God? And it, it really popped up. I read it in, the, in my sermon, but at the very end of chapter 1, Paul says, he, talking about Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Here it is. Mm. So that, here's the, what's the goal? Uh -huh. What's the end game? So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Hmm. Sean, God has a goal for your life. He wants, he wants you to grow up. Yeah. He wants you to grow up as a husband, a father, as a pastor. He wants you to grow up as a next door neighbor. He God cares about every aspect of your life, but he's not content to leave you the way you are. It's, it's the old expression, God accepts you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he wants you to be better now than you were five years ago. Yeah. He wants you, as a human being, just maturing in your thoughts, in your behaviors, in, 
in your self-control, in your the, the, the joy of your life, all these different areas. And if, if you want to know, if you want to see the contrast, John, think of the, imagine the opposite. What happens, what do you see in the person who never bears any fruit? <laughs> They're just not productive as a person. Mm. They never grow in knowledge. They haven't read a book in years. They never read their Bible. Yeah. They're not strengthened with God's power. They're a self-made man. You ever meet those people? Mm -hmm. They never give thanks for what God has done. They're too busy complaining about what they don't have and what their neighbor has that they don't have. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite. Who wants to be around people like that? Yeah. See, those are the people at the end of 75 years, the word is obscene. Yeah. That's obscene to mm -hmm. live that way. God doesn't want you to be there. So start growing now in the right direction. That's fantastic. Wow. Rick, fantastic series. I'm so excited to learn more. In fact, Rick, could you give us a little uh, up, uh, a little peek into what's happening next or what else is happening at Grace? Yeah, well, this Sunday is week two in the Raising the Bar series. And very appropriate, the theme in chapter two of Colossians is growth. Mm. So we're going to talk about... How do you raise the bar on growth in your life? And Sean, people may be surprised Sunday when they realize that um, receiving Jesus Christ as Lord is not enough. Mm -hmm. God is not pleased with that. God is not satisfied if you just say, yes, I have received Jesus Christ as my Lord. We're going to learn that Paul says, so what? So what difference does it make? Ooh. And so we're going to see the part two and it's all about growth. So that's coming this Sunday. Well, fantastic. All right. Well, Rick, one more thing. We know that Easter is just about a month away. Yeah. Uh, so this is a terrific time, if we haven't been to church in a while, for us to start getting back in. Um, or if we've been steadily coming, for us to invite our friends. Can you give us a peek into what's planned? We are, you know, we're, we're offering a third service on uh, Easter weekend, we're going to offer a Saturday night service and two Sunday mornings, uh, so people will have plenty of room to spread out and social distance and, mm -hmm. and be wise and uh -huh. be responsible. But I'm excited that the theme that day is is joy comes in the morning. Mm. There's a there's a great passage in the Psalms that says, "Weeping may endure for the night, uh -huh. but joy comes in the morning." Sean, this last year during this pandemic. <clears throat> Don't you feel like people have kind of been enduring the dark, Ooh, <laughs> enduring yeah. the night? We're mm -hmm. living through this dark period, but all of a sudden you look around, it's like we see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So we're going to dig into that passage, but we're going to study a character that pops up in a very significant way on Easter weekend, the original first Easter weekend, Mary Magdalene. I've never done a sermon on Mary Magdalene before. But we're going to watch this, this woman who was an eyewitness to the cross, an eyewitness to the burial, and was actually the first post-resurrection appearance of Jesus, Whoa. Mary Magdalene. And we're going to watch her journey from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, as she moves from darkness to light. Mm. And it all has to do with the resurrection of Jesus. Wow. Hey, did I mention we're going to have Easter baptisms? Oh, no, huh? I love this. Listen, if you're out there listening, if you've never experienced Christian baptism, may I encourage you to prayerfully consider uh, 
you can go on our webpage, or Sean, you'll probably put a link. Uh, there is a link, and I'll let's, make sure it's there. Yeah, let's, let's put a link uh, so people can go and read a little bit about baptism. We have a baptism class, but Easter morning, we're going to have Easter baptisms for me. It's the highlight of Easter every year. That's fantastic. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.